Me. My name is Matt Schock. I'm the campus minister here at AFC, and I am so thrilled that you are here tonight. We're kind of in the heart of our semester. Uh, I counted up all the AFCs that we're going to have this semester. We're going to have 13 of them, and this is tonight is number seven. So we're more than halfway done with our semester already. It's kind of wild to think about, kind of exciting too. Spring break's right around the corner, and we have a bunch of stuff going on. We have a bunch of stuff going on with AFC, but I'm going to wait till the announcement section tonight um, for you guys to hear about a little bit more about what's going on, because right now in this moment, I'm just excited for us to transition, to transition into a different pace that we don't get to have the rest of our weeks. Right now, we get to transition into a time of, uh, of listening, not just listening to me, but listening to like what God wants to do in this moment right now. We get a chance to enjoy what God wants to do in this moment right now, because this is important. What we're doing right now is important. For the next 20 minutes, you don't have deadlines, you don't have papers that are due, you don't have roommate drama. For the next 20 minutes, you can just relax. And you can be still before God and see what he wants to do in this space. And so with that, I'm just going to jump right in tonight because I do. I just think this time is so important. I'm just excited to be here with you in this moment. <coughs> we're going to have to be real clear. I'm going to cough all night long. My wife has been putting up with it for two weeks. I'm so sorry. I'll try to cover better than that. But just so you guys know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be rough. When, uh, when you lead a ministry, when, you, when you're a preacher, when you kind of plan for a semester, the way, you, uh, the way you plan out a semester can vary from week to week. So like what you want to preach about can vary from week to week. And so when you draw inspiration, you draw from many different places. Now I like to read. I like, I like to read a lot of Christian books. I like to read about theology. Sometimes I'll take a sermon idea from this idea that's really burning inside of me. Sometime it'll be another sermon that I heard or a scripture that I heard or maybe a whole book in the Bible that I feel like we could teach over for the next couple of weeks. Sometimes that's how inspiration happens. Sometimes you just put your pulse on the ministry and you just kind of see like, okay, like what's going on with AFC right now? What could we talk about right now? What does this group of people need to hear? Now tonight is a little bit different. I will admit this is the most unique um, sermon prep that I've ever had in my ministry in regards to how I wrote tonight's sermon because I wrote tonight's sermon directed at one individual. One individual that kind of is a part of this community, not really starting to kind of fade away a little bit. But even though this, this sermon is directed at one individual, I think it's going to resonate with every single soul in the room tonight because of the topic. This, uh, you will never get the name out of me. The name of the person I'm thinking about tonight, you will never get it out of me. It's a very personal reason why I'm thinking about this person. Um, I've, been, I've been hurting for this person. I've been watching this person struggle for the past um, couple months. I've been watching them, um, I've been watching them doubt. I've been watching them doubt what they believe and, and struggle with this community. And it's really kind of heartbreaking and it's kind of sad and it's really kind of, um, it's really kind of getting to me. And so you're not going to get that name out of me. But like one of the reasons why it's been kind of, kind of rough lately is because what's happening in this ministry right now is like the exact opposite. I don't know how much you guys know about AFC, but man, we've just had a great semester. When I hear about stories of some of the things that are happening in our small groups, like these little groups of Bible studies, they're way more than that. These groups are becoming family. Like our, 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 our group is hanging out on weekends together. Um, we just got back from our spring retreat, which was one of the most amazing experiences of God showing up in a place that I've ever seen. We had, we had not only did we have like the 10 baptisms that happened there, but we had a bunch of people that were, <clears throat> we had a bunch of people that like their chains had broken. 
And so we have this momentum that's happening in the ministry right now, and it's super exciting, and yet I see this one person just kind of struggling through every single week that, that happens, every single Sunday that I see, every single Wednesday that I see this person. It's a struggle. And, and the emotions are on that person's sleeves, and it's just killing me to see. And, and so I feel, like I, I feel like I can't help that person. I feel like Aggies for Christ can't help that person. I'm just feeling kind of down about it. And, and so I wrote this sermon tonight like directly towards this individual because of the doubt that they're going through in their lives. Now watching doubt, watching doubt is one of the hardest parts of my job. It's one of the inevitable parts of my job, but it's a very hard part of my job. And also, it has kind of been, at, battling doubt has been at the center of my Jesus, uh, the walk with the Lord for me as well. For years and years and years, I struggled with, is this God thing real? I got into apologetics really heavily because I wanted to be able to defend, to defend exactly what it was that I believed. And so this is kind of coming from a personal, somewhat of a dark place tonight. But my goal is for this evening that every single person walks out of here, especially every single person that might have a little inkling of doubt or a mountain of doubt, that every single person walks out of here encouraged in who God is, in who God is despite our doubts. So I hope tonight comes off genuine. I hope tonight comes off honest, and I hope that every single person in the room tonight walks away. Um, honestly, even though it's a heavy topic, walks out of here a little bit lighter, even despite the heaviness of this topic. <clears throat> so that whole entire intro was to say, tonight's sermon is titled, Dear Doubter. Dear Doubter. Now, if I could sit across the table from, every, from any single person in this room tonight that was dealing with doubt, I would want to go over three points with them, and these are going to be the three points that are going to help me shape my sermon for tonight as well, and those three points are this. First and foremost, if you're a doubter, you are in very, very good company. I don't know if you've read um, the Bible from cover to cover, but if you have, you'll realize that an element of uh, a characteristic of God's people has been since the beginning of time, there's been elements in their walks with the Lord where they've really, really struggled with God, where they've doubted God or doubted what God was doing in their lives, and then they get oppressed. They get thrown into oppression or slavery, and God delivers them. Tonight, we're even going to talk about one of Jesus' very own disciples. His name was Thomas. He was a guy who walked with Jesus. He saw Jesus do miracles. He saw Jesus preach the most amazing sermons this world has ever known, and yet he still doubted. So if you're a doubter in the room tonight, you are in very, very good company. <coughs> Secondly, that, that second note says right there, doubt is greater than complacency. Doubt is greater than complacency. There's a big difference between these two words. Our guest preacher that we had at, at UCC this Sunday, Randy Harris, he said that those who doubt are far more cl close to figuring out this God thing than those who are complacent in their faith. And so tonight we're going to talk briefly about how we have some heavy lifting of our own when it comes to our faith and some of the responsibilities that we have to shake some of this doubt. And third, this might sound like the worst, like most church, churchy advice ever, but we're going to talk about it. It's number three. It says, when doubting God, seek God. When doubting God, seek God. And it sounds super elementary and basic, but we're going to go through it. <clears throat> so I told you we're going to talk tonight about a guy named Thomas. Thomas was one of the original 12 disciples who walked with Jesus for years and years and years. And if we're being completely honest about the life of Thomas, we have very few verses that really uh, even talk about him. But what we know from the very few verses in scripture is we can build probably more than any of the other disciples, except maybe Peter, but we can build uh, 
a characteristic about who this person was, who Thomas really was, just based on some of the things he said. So two of the characteristics of Thomas, one is he was this go-getter. He was super high energy. He wanted to follow Jesus um, to, the, to the death. But at the same point in time, he had mountains and mountains of doubt in his life. And so the story, uh, you might have even heard uh, some, like maybe some of your grandparents say, don't be a doubting Thomas. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but if you have, that comes directly from this disciple, one of the original 12. And so we're going to talk about Thomas right now in a story that happened right after Jesus was raised from the dead. Directly after Jesus starts appearing to his followers again, there's a story about Thomas in chapter 20 of John the Gospel of John. So we're in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. If you don't have a Bible, the words are on the screen. <clears throat> now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus first came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I will never believe. You guys, that's in the Bible. That is really in the Bible that Thomas, a follower of Jesus, said, unless he physically touches him, he will never believe. And so Thomas, to be honest, Thomas is stuck in this very same predicament that every single one of us in the room is faced with right now. We have to believe in a Jesus we've never seen face to face, right? He wants physical proof. He, is, he, he, he can't believe it unless he sees it, unless he touches it. And we can, can we all just empathize with Thomas for a little bit? Can we all just empathize with him and say, like, man, like, that's something we wish we could see as well. We don't have to put on a fake Christian front in this room tonight. We all wish that could be the case where we could touch Jesus physically. You've had those moments. You've had those moments where you've been on your bed at night laying at the ceiling just wondering about all this God stuff. You've had moments in this room where you're singing about Jesus and not exactly sure if you believe in him. Raised from the dead? The son of God? Like really? Like this is really what we're supposed to believe? Thomas gets a horrible rap in scripture, but if we're being really honest with ourselves, this is kind of where we're at a lot of the times too. This is exactly where we're at a lot of the times too. But we're going to keep reading. <clears throat> Verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Jesus was stabbed in the side when he was on the cross. Do not disbelieve, but believe, Jesus said. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so, and so Jesus kind of takes this last little stab at Thomas here at the end, but, uh, but for the most part, Thomas gets exactly what all of us are craving, right? He gets that physical affirmation that Jesus is really raised from the dead. Now, if he walked in this space right now physically, we would lose our minds. Now, I believe as a, as a baptized believer in Jesus Christ that he is in this room right now in his spirit, but physically, if he walked in the room, ah, it'd be a different story. We'd lose our minds. We would lose our absolute minds. It would be a beautiful thing. And I'm not going to lie, my heart longs for that. My heart longs for that. Because if I'm being honest with all of you tonight, 
I have doubt. I have doubt. You're in good company. The campus minister has some doubts from time to time. And you should be prepared. If you don't have any doubts, you should be prepared to go through seasons. They come and they go, but I want to remind you something about the seats that you're sitting in right now. I want to remind you a little bit about Aggies for Christ and what our goal is that we will become. That we would be the most safe place in this city. And by most safe, we mean that when you walk in here, you have to be comfortable and you have to be able to say honestly where you're at in your belief. If we're not creating a space like that for you, we're not doing our jobs. You have to feel safe walking in here and saying, I have questions. I have questions. I have doubts. That's exactly what Thomas did. If you look at the text, he says, I will never believe, unless I touch him, I will never believe. And then the very next verse says, eight days later, Thomas was with the disciples. So right after Thomas declares, I'm never going to believe, eight days later, he's still hanging out with Jesus' best friends. Like, what? Like, why would you be hanging out with those people if you didn't believe? But that has to be what we are as a community. If you're struggling with your faith right now, I just pray to God you feel welcomed here. And if you are at a very high place in your faith right now, if this is the closest you've ever felt to God, and for a lot of you that went on the retreat and that have been doing a lot of things with small groups and our ministry this semester, that might be you. And if that's you, you need to be encouraged and reminded tonight that we need to keep doubters near us. We need to be getting that whole entire campus in this room to know this is a safe place to believe whatever it is that you believe and to ask questions. And if you doubt a little bit, that's okay. That's okay. We have to be reminded that that is who we are called to be because that's exactly what Thomas did. That is not an insignificant verse. Eight days later, he's still hanging out with the disciples. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. <coughs> now, I've, uh, I've been pretty gentle in regards to doubt thus far. I've been pretty easy about um, the idea that it's okay to doubt. Uh, we've agreed that it's something that everybody's going to go through at some level or another in their faith journey. Um, but tonight we have some things to answer for as well. Because I will say this again, doubt is okay, complacency is not. Doubt is okay, complacency is not. See, my job here at the church is literally to walk through faith journeys with people and to guide them in whatever capacity I might be able to. It's a, it's a tough job. Now, watching doubt, that, watching people when they go through these seasons, that can be a hard thing to watch and kind of sad to watch. But watching people who are complacent in their faith, that's hard to listen to for, a completely, for just a totally different list of reasons why. That's hard to watch. Um, kind of because it's a little bit frustrating, to be honest. It's like, uh, it's like a person complaining about their health or about their body image while in the drive through of Whataburger. Like, we don't earn the right to complain all the time. We don't earn the right to complain all the time. So, so when we talk about doubt and we talk about like the difference between doubt and complacency, we have to ask ourselves some honest questions. So right now it's time to ask some honest questions. You don't have to raise your hand, but like, we have to do some introspection, which means we have to look inside ourselves and ask us some really tough questions. So here are some of those questions. If we have a hard time believing in who this Jesus guy is, the question has to be like, how many times have we read the Gospels recently? The Gospels are the four books of the Bible that talk about the life of Jesus. Like, when was the last time we really read those? Like, with a passion, with an open heart, with an open mind that says, like, like when's the last time I really read about Jesus? What about prayer? Prayer for me. This is the hard one. I just don't feel like I'm, I'm connecting with God right now. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But we have, but 
have I carved out periods of my day where I can just be still and be quiet before God and just enjoy him? Not not, not just to talk the whole time, the whole time I'm praying, but have I carved out times in my day where I can just be still before the Lord? What about if it's like intellectually where Christianity just isn't making sense to our minds? There are so many theologians and scholars that have written book after book about Christianity. Like we should dive into these sometimes. We should crack open some of these books. We should give it a fair shake about what this faith is that we claim to believe in. If we don't carve out time for our relationships with the Lord, we don't earn the right to complain about our spiritual health. I'm going to say that again. If we don't carve out time for our relationship with the Lord, we don't earn the right to complain about spiritual health. A.W. Tozer, one of those um, theologians that I was talking about, he says this. He says, complacency is easy. Complacency is easy, and it is a deadly foe of spiritual growth. Complacency is easy, and it is a deadly foe of spiritual growth. Complacency is a very, very easy thing. Working through your doubt, it's hard. It's a hard road, but man, choose the hard road. Choose the hard road. You know, when I started writing this sermon, like I told you, I was, um, I was thinking about this one individual person because my heart was like breaking for this person. Um, and as, it, as the sermon started to develop, I was like, man, I'm just preaching to myself more and more and more. And also preaching to like a younger version of myself. Like the, this, this younger version of me in my, early, my late teens, my early 20s, where I was just like struggling with who God was. But then I started to write more and more and different faces started to pop up. And then it wasn't just people that had doubt that I was thinking about. It was people that had other things going on in their life too. Like people stuck in relationship drama, these toxic relationships that I see. Or people that are um, dealing with substance abuse or people that have um, maybe a lack of direction in their life. Or maybe some people that have too much direction in their life and they're, and they're, and they're lacking rest, etc., etc., etc. These faces started to pop up into my brain and I started to realize like this is everybody's sermon this is everybody's sermon because if we're going to be dead honest with our with ourselves tonight every single person in the room can admit this simple scary truth we all have a hard time believing in God we all have a hard time believing in God but let me tell you why these doubts are worth the struggle Let me tell you why these doubts are worth the struggle. Let me tell you why from this book, like it's worth the fight. It is worth every night of not knowing. It is worth every night of wondering. It is worth every question that you ask the pastor. It is worth everything. If it's been a while since you've read this book, let me give you a verse that maybe maybe this jump starts a relationship with the Lord again or maybe for the first time. John chapter 20, verse 30, this is the very next verse in what we were reading tonight. It's kind of after this story about Thomas. John, the gospel writer, explains why he wrote this book. And John says this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ, the Savior the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you may have life. 
John, the author of this book, he is not telling his readers like, hey, read this so you can go to heaven, or hey, read this so you can avoid hell, or hey, read this so you can get wealth or, or, or fame or power. Like, that's not why John wrote this book. John wrote this book using a much broader and a much better term when he says, believe this so that you may have life. To the kid I wrote this sermon to, like, I don't want believing to go better for that person so they can enjoy AFC more. I want them to have life. To the person who, who is involved in these toxic relationships, like, I don't, like, I don't want you in that relationship, but it's for, so, so you can have life. To the person who's chasing money and success and direction, it is not just, those, I mean, those things will give you a temporary earthly high, but that is just, it's not even close to the fullness of life that Jesus talks about. That is why John wrote this book. That is why John wrote this book, and that's why we struggle, and that's why we do some of the heavy lifting, and that's why when we're struggling, we still seek God. That is not elementary basic advice. It is encouragement to try to keep trying. Probably one of the most cliche, overused statements of our time is an Einstein quote. You've all heard it. It goes like this. It says, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result, right? We've all heard that. Now, it might be super cliche and it might be overused, but it carries with it some really deep spiritual truths, some really deep truths. If you're struggling with God, you have to do something different than the routine that has you in this place. If you're struggling with who God is, you have to shake up the routine. Worship team, you can go ahead and start coming back up. I I, I wanna close with this. (coughs) If you need some encouragement tonight, um, Hebrews chapter 11 talks a lot about faith. It talks a lot about faith, and it says in Hebrews chapter 11 that, those who, that, that God rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. So when it's hard, like, seek God. When he feels farther away than ever, then run faster than you've ever run. That is what Hebrews 11 encourages us to do, is that he will reward those who try to draw near to him. So try to draw near especially when it's hard to believe. And hey, if you're spiritually dry right now, if you're just in a rough place, like man, myself and my wife and my interns, like we would love to pray for you during these next two songs. Like that would just, that would thrill us to no end. If you're sitting next to somebody that you trust, pray with them. If you're in, a, if you're in one of those places right now, if uh, some of you have really like loved the Lord in the past but are just in a, in a darker place right now, man, I'm going to Starbucks a couple times tomorrow. I better see you guys there with Bibles out, just hanging out with Jesus, taking Jesus on a Starbucks date, carving out time for him. Because Jesus ended up giving Thomas exactly what he needed to believe. But maybe tonight was what you needed. Maybe tonight was what you needed. I know this was a heavier sermon than I usually preach. Like, I get that, and I'm, I'm kind of sorry for that, but it was just burning on my heart. But if you hear anything tonight, just hear this. Like, he rewards those who seek him. And the reward is a full, full life. Doesn't that sound great? We all pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, um, 
doubt is something that has been at the, um, the heart of yours and my relationship for a long time. So I, uh, I come to you right now honestly, and I come to you right now a little bit broken, um, just in regards to this topic. I bring it up, God, because I know I'm not the only one in this room struggling. We struggle to see you. We struggle to feel you. But tonight, we're going to take this opportunity to admit that, to cry out to you and to be honest. Countless times through your scripture, your people have, have wandered, your people have doubted, and yet you, stay, you remain faithful. So I got to pray for that faithfulness tonight to just flood this place. That's your love and the truth about who you are would flood this place and every single person in this room and that we would feel you like you were standing or sitting right next to us, God. I pray that over this room. Lord, for those who remain in doubt tonight, I pray that, I pray that we have a, a newfound energy to seek you. God, be it through study or prayer or just being still and sitting by the duck pond and just, just enjoying who you are as God, I pray for that motivation. I pray for you to reveal yourself to every single person in this room. God, we do love you, and we do praise you, and we are thankful for who you are and what your son did on the cross, and that he came down and that he showed his followers the marks. We're thankful for that every single day, God. And it's in your son's most precious name I pray. Amen.